Hi, everyone. I'm Debbie Wilkes, a member of Skate Canada's Alumni Committee. With Canada's tremendous history in skating, our committee was formed to find ways to celebrate that success by developing programming and creating awareness around the incredible achievements of our athletes, coaches, officials, and Hall of Famers. Some of those creative ideas brought us to this point, the Skate Canada Alumni Blog, where our alumni can tell their stories and share their experiences with the entire skating family. Some stories will be familiar, but most will be memories and behind-the-scenes insights which the world has never heard. They're all delivered lovingly and with tremendous passion for the sport that has given each of us so much. Moving forward on the blog, we're launching a new podcast initiative where we'll be able to sit down to chat with some of our most celebrated alumni about their past, their present, and their future. Today, we're visiting with three-time Canadian pair champion Craig Bunton. We hope you'll enjoy it and will continue to visit with us regularly to help celebrate the individuals who have given so much to skating in Canada and around the world. Good morning, everyone. It's Debbie Wilkes here. Uh, Welcome to everyone, our skating fans, our alumni, any special guests, including the one we're going to be talking to today, Craig Bunton, three-time Canadian pair champion, 2006 Olympian. Craig, I've got my coffee going here. I'm sorry to say it's not your coffee, but I hope everyone else will get their favorite bevy. Of course, it's only 9 o'clock here in Toronto, so coffee makes perfect sense. How are you, Craig? I am fantastic. I'm so uh, so happy, so honored to be uh, to be on this podcast, Debbie. And I mean, it's just it's it's great to hear your voice. Honestly, this is uh, this is awesome. And and I can offer the same thing back. It's been a few years since we've connected, so having the chance this morning uh, to celebrate your tremendous career and to talk a little bit about what's happened since then is a, a real pleasure. So thank you so much. This is our very first blog for the uh, alumni blog and uh, very first audio blog. So it, it is a real treat to have you with us this morning. Well, likewise. And I want to say it's kind of an appropriate time because, of course, being an Olympic year and we're closing out that season now, uh, we're seeing a lot of news about some of our great champions who are retiring from competitive skating. And I know you went through that same kind of transition, so I'd love to talk about that today, how you managed it, how you decided, what you thought all of those goodies. Yeah. Well, it's, you- it's relevant um, not only for skaters this year either. I mean, it, it's relevant for all athletes across Canada. Um, there comes, there, there are sort of a few reasons why, why skaters retire. Um, you know, anywhere from if you have an injury one year, if you leave to, uh, you know, in my case, I, I had planned on retiring after the 2010 season. I was 29 years old and it was, it was time. I mean, you know, I had dreamed of retiring around that time since the day, you know, 10 years old. Um, so for me, the, the trickiest thing was kind of coming out. I remember being on the plane back from our last competition. Uh, it was four continents in, uh, in Korea. And um, I was on the plane home and I wrote on a napkin, um, what is my next Olympics? You know, 
because as an athlete, you know, I, the day that I was 10, I said, I'm going to deal with this. That's my big thing. I mean, that's the goal. And I had this single one focus for my entire life as a skater. And suddenly, I'm 29 with no education, no real plan outside of sport, and no more than anything, no goal, you know. And so the first thing for me that I, I really wanted to kind of tackle was what is my next Olympics? What is the next thing I'm going to do with my life and the next big goal that I've got to challenge myself to achieve and it's going to take me another 20 years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, <laughs> surprisingly enough, it's not that easy to do. Um, and it's a really foreign place to be when you're driven for your entire life. Uh, and so for me, um, I knew I wanted to be in business. I knew I couldn't get um, a normal sort of uh, job that was eight hours a day that I could, you know, punch my clock and go home. Uh, it just, it never, that felt just totally foreign to me. Uh, I knew I wanted to start a company. I didn't really know what, I almost didn't care what. I was just like, I just got to go. Uh, and so at the time, I mean, maybe to, to your reference, uh, I, I started a coffee company out of uh, really just, you know, financed it with whatever cash I could scrounge and, and started building it up around Montreal. Uh, I realized I knew nothing at all, uh, and I figured maybe I should try to get into school. Maybe I should try to learn, you know, how to actually do this. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up applying to a whole bunch of schools, looking for night courses, um, and ended up going into McGill, and they recommended that I apply for the MBA program, uh, so the Masters of, of Business. Uh, I, I had been out of school for 12 years. I didn't have an undergrad degree. I was lost in what I was trying to do with my business. Um, and I just sort of, you know, I, I took it. I, I saw an opportunity. I said yes. Uh, put the application in, and I ended up getting into my MBA, which was sort of um, sort of the start. <laughs> so uh, I guess that's sort of the, the roundabout answer as to what I did immediately. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, still sort of lost and headed into school. It is a huge step, and when, as competitors, uh, particularly at a very high level, it's an indication you committed yourself to something that's very long-term, and certainly you're not the first person to talk about um, what's next when we have likely, certainly in my case, only considered myself a skater. I didn't know yeah. what there was out there. So that's a real testament to your bravery and risk-taking ability that you were prepared to just dive into something. <laughs> were you scared? I think it's, oh, terrified, petrified. Um, and, I, and I think it's beyond just scared for what I'm going to do. I think you literally just said it. it it's not, sport is not something you do. It's who you are. You know, you, you identify as an athlete. You identify as a skater. You, everything you do, your friends, your support, your family, everything is focused around you being the skater. Uh, and so suddenly it's, it, it's terrifying. You're out there in the real world and you are no longer a skater. Who knows what you do? You don't even know who you are. Um, and so for me, it was suddenly I went from being one of the top skaters in the world really good at what I do. I could walk into any rink, point at any skater and understand what that skater's, you know, struggles were, how good they were, what the potential was, uh, you know, what could be worked on. Like, I, I knew that as much as I knew myself. And suddenly I'm sitting in a classroom with, you know, 30 to 40 other people who are way smarter than me, 
I'm having to ask for help on things that are legitimately and objectively stupid. Uh, I didn't know what a syllabus was. (laughs) And so uh, uh, recognizing that I was probably not the smartest guy in the class uh, with very little experience, having to ask for help for all of the normal things, it was a really, really difficult time. Um, I, I I would want to suggest that while you describe yourself as not being the smartest person in the class, I would reframe that and just <laughs> out your experience. You may have been lacking in business experience and the kind of language and vocabulary that goes along with that, but I would argue that you were one of the smartest people <laughs> in the class. I yeah, I mean, it's I, I've I've come since that point. I mean, that was that was eight years ago now. So I'm I'm now at a point where I have a little bit of perspective on it, and I I think I've sort of found my legs, and I, I understand where I you know my place in the world and where I'm going. And I and I think now that was a critical step. Um, I think I've always kind of just been clever. <laughs> I think I think I learned the the skills I needed and the, and built the tools over these past few years to kind of now say, okay, maybe there's some smart in there. <laughs> but um, sure. but, and but also, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I think um, what a tremendous you know I'd almost like to applaud McGill for recognizing the kind of potential that you have. And perhaps for understanding, too, the kind of skills that it takes to get to where you were in skating are in many ways oh, yeah. the kind of skills that are required to do well in any aspect of life. Yeah, no, I, I applaud McGill for taking a chance on me. And that's, that's really what it was. It was, I mean, they rolled the dice when they let me in. Um, <laughs> and and, and <laughs> much in the same way that any, any great coach or any great choreographer or any great team around in, in the sport We'll kind of take a chance on a on a student, right? When a walks in, a fire in their eyes, and they might have some raw potential, and they know they just want to work. You know, the team around them will will kind of take a leap of faith in in some cases, and kind of get behind them. Uh, and McGill really did that with me, and so I'm I'm eternally grateful to to the university. Uh, and in fact, I'd go a little one step further in that. Um, around that time, I actually joined the board of uh, directors of uh, with Athletes Can. Uh, and advocated that, saying, look, more universities need to start doing this across the country. We need to start recognizing athlete leadership. We need to start recognizing how much the country has invested in these athletes and how much these athletes can give back if they're given the tools. Uh, and since that time, um, through some of that work, uh, Canada now has a program called Game Plan, where they work with uh, a number of universities, and those universities, I mean, Queen's included, uh, is now opening up things like uh, preferred enrollment um, and giving athletes sort of a bit more flexibility to pursue their education and pursue their career outside of sport. So there have actually been some sort of movement around the country uh, to support that, which is phenomenal. Yeah, it is amazing. And I, you know, I think back to uh, some years ago, not that far in the past, actually, where when in our sport, for instance, a skater retired, it was like um, you were no longer the treat of the week. You were no longer yep. interesting. And people kind of walked on the other st- side of the street to avoid you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's you that were, reality. I... Yeah, you were considered kind of passe. 
so how incredible it is that we've made this progress to recognize the tremendous potential that athletes have for further um, success in life. Yeah. Well, the case we had made was, was actually an economic one. Uh, we went back to, um, you know, to, to Sport Canada and to uh, a number of organizations making really the case that Canada as a country invests in its athletes uh, throughout their amateur careers so that they can, you know, bear the flag and represent us uh, on, a, on an international stage. But when they come back, those athletes have so much raw potential uh, that they can help drive and motivate the people around them. Uh, and that every year or every day that goes by that they're not is really actually, it's, it's a wasted return on investment. It's, it's your, you're not getting those dollars back that you've invested in those athletes. So on purely an economic standpoint, if you're, if you're, injecting, you know, giving those athletes the tools to then go into the workforce to begin building. Uh, as a country, we are all going to do a lot better. Uh, and so that was sort of the, the case that actually began moving the needle on, uh, on a number of those conversations. It's well, uh, really cool as, to see. As a parent, too, Craig, uh, I know um, you're a proud one. Uh, <laughs> I am. I, it, it's... Um, very important for parents to understand and for individual athletes to understand that that Olympic experience or national title shouldn't be the only highlight in an individual's life. Um, So many things in sport um, that can be applied in so many other ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it momentarily, but I, I did start a company out of school as well, which is where I'm, I'm now the, the co-founder and CEO. Uh, I can tell you that the number of times that we had to dig in and fight harder and work to make our product and our team successful, I mean, I didn't learn those skills by standing on a podium. Uh, I learned those skills every single day in the arena, every time I fell, every time I broke something or every time I had to duct tape my boot back together to go back on the ice and train, you know, like those were the, where those lessons came from, you know? Uh, yeah. And it's, it's looking back and I, I look at decisions we've made as a company over the last two, three years, I can point them back to Richard Gauthier. I can point them back to Paul Wirtz and say like, I know that we made that decision and did that as a company because I was shaped by these coaches in, uh, in my past. So, I mean, my son's going to figure skate, hands down. There's, there's no question. Uh, and, and not to be a champion. He's, he's going to go in because I just I want to see him experience all those amazing things that I did in the sport. How old is your son now? <laughs> he's two. Now oh. he just throws things at me and yells, Dada! <laughs> <laughs> Any two-year-old. I'm, oh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm having, uh, it's like flashbacks. I have two children, both grown, but I now have two grandchildren, one four and one eight. And my daughter never misses an opportunity to tell me about payback. <laughs> <laughs> they say you don't really appreciate your parents until you have kids. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's, it's so true. So true. <laughs> I hug my mother now. <laughs> yeah. A bit more love than I did two years ago. <laughs> yeah, now you get it. Now you yeah, get it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, let's wind back a little bit talking about Paul and Richard. Um, can you give me some examples about the kinds of things that they did instill in you that what I'm going to call a skater's toolkit, personal toolkit? 
Yeah, I mean, so I look at my career in skating, and I'm actually mimicking it right now, which is, I mean, we can probably go on for hours at some point offline, but it, it kind of went in three phases for me. Uh, it started off in Kelowna, home, you know, hometown club. Uh, Jamie McGregor was my coach. Uh, I mean, the, the whole group of coaches that were They're all bad. there. Hey. Um, <laughs> what's that? Another bad boy, Jamie McGregor. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's going to listen to this. I know he's laughing. Uh, but what I learned there is, like, I learned the love of the sport. You know, like, I just, I something, like, a, a seed got planted in me in Kelowna that, like, it just, I, I learned this sort of passion for the sport uh, that, I mean, it never left. And I, I bring it into kind of everything that I do now. Uh, and so the first phase was really fall in love with the sport. The second, it was when I was, uh, when I was 18 years old. Uh, I knew I wanted to, you know, achieve my goals. I wanted to be the best in the world. And I just, I didn't know how to do it with where I was. And so I got on a one-way ticket to Montreal and just basically said, I don't care where I land. I'm finding the best coach. I'm finding the best partner. And I'm just, I'm going for it. I'm dedicating everything I have to this, this one goal. Uh, and that's when I met Paul. Uh, and for people out there who knew Paul, who knew the, the training center that he ran, I mean, we worked very, very hard. Uh, there was no excuses. There was no compromise. There was, I don't care if your blade is broken, find another one and get back on the ice. Uh, and it was no matter what, get back on and train and train hard. And you think you're tired, but you don't even understand where your own limitations are. So work harder. Um, and I, I learned in, in that time that I, he was right. I, I really did not understand what fatigue was. I didn't learn how far I could push myself until he pushed me. And I brought that into every single competition that I went into where I could look around at the Chinese and the Russians and, and the other top comedians and almost laugh and be like, look, I know I've done five times more run-throughs than anybody here. And that sort of ability to reframe <laughs> what, what fatigue is and reframe what hard work is, that's what Paul brought. And that's what sort of Paul instilled in me. Uh, and again, I'm bringing that forward into my life now. Um, a kind of self-reliance and independence. Yeah, uh, and, and just a, a breaking down of my own mental barriers. I mean, just really not, um, not believing myself that, oh, I'm tired, or I can't do the spin that fast, or I can never do a twist as high as the Chinese, or I can never do, you know, breaking that away and saying, just work, shut up and work, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and so, uh, so I took that from that second phase. Um, and the third phase... Uh, which was this sort of marrying of the two, which is when I met Richard. I was 23 years old, and I was ready to start kind of coming out of my shell as a skater and starting to express myself and starting to, um, you know, really be comfortable in my own skin as a skater and as a person. And Richard, I mean, nobody does that better than him. Uh, and I, I came into that situation from first having the love of the sport, but also having the fundamental tools and the fundamental work ethic to be able to work without having to have him push me. Um, yeah. And so when, when Val, Valerie Marcoux and I went there, we had the same work ethic as we came from Paul, but Richard got us to calm down, breathe, drop the shoulders and just be in the moment. Uh, and, and that was sort of the, where I was able to kind of really flourish as a mature skater. Uh, and so that's kind of where those <laughs> three phases and the three people uh, in, in my, my career uh, what they what they brought tremendous building blocks and um, the work ethic you learn 
the refinement you learn, and that just opens doors. And oh, absolutely. How, how then did you apply those things? Obviously, the, the hard work uh, makes perfect sense when it comes to uh, developing a company, developing a work plan, uh, taking those same kind of daring risks that you did as a skater. How did you apply that to your position then starting a company? Well, I mean, when I, when I was 18 years old, as I mentioned, I, I made the decision that it uh, doesn't matter what it takes, I'm going to do everything I can so that at the end of my skating career, I can look back and have no regrets. I'm working and I'm going for it. And I got on a one-way flight and went to Montreal. Yeah. For me, that was similar to getting, starting this business. You know, like I, I had a business plan walking out of school. I had no idea whether I could actually do this. I was pitching this grand vision of, um, you know, technology and sport and the intersection of that and all of the things that I can develop that, you know, would have been phenomenal tools for me as an athlete. And I just went out and I, I pitched it. You know, I, I, I probably had, uh, you know, a couple hundred meetings with various investors around Montreal, uh, various co-founders, various initial employees, um, you know, I cold email, sent a cold email to Mark Cuban, you know, like just, hey, Mark, I'm Craig. Here's this idea. There's, you know, all of these leaps that you take and, and just total focus and dedication to what you're doing. For me, that was like the leap that I took in moving to Montreal. Like it really, it, I felt as that was happening, um, you know, three and a half years ago, um, I felt really in my comfort zone. I was like, I know how to do this. I, I did this a few years ago. I get it. <laughs> so it, it, didn't, it never felt like I was kind of, jumping out into the abyss, you know, it really was like, okay, I'm just repeating what I did as a skater. Um, and so that, then we had a customer go, Hey, we think we might be interested in buying your product. This is the, and then, <laughs> this was the, this was the Paul. <laughs> this was all right, guys, <laughs> let's sit down. Nobody's sleeping this weekend. We got 48 hours of work ahead of us. I don't care what it takes. This thing is getting out and it's going to be the best product these guys have ever seen. Let's go. You know, and, and when you bring that kind of energy and that kind of focus, I mean, I'm suddenly now with PhDs and, and with, you know, product developers and, and these people who, like, legitimately have nothing to do with sport. But suddenly I'm in a room with a group of athletes, and I feel like we've got this energy and this focus and this dedication to get what we need done. Um, and, and that's where, you know, the first couple years of a startup is just total, um, you know. Chaos? Yeah, it's chaos, and the odds of you actually making it are next to none, but it's just, you know, like do or die every single day, every, you know, waking hour. And for me, I was just like, this is great. It's the summer of 2000 or 1999, and I'm with Paul, and I'm <laughs> training for the Junior Canadian Championships right now, you know? Um, yes. And, and it, it felt very much natural. It, it never felt like I was in some area that I didn't understand. I mean, the specifics, sure, but the actual energy and the application of what I was doing, it felt very much like I was a junior in training for junior nationals. Well, you have a, a really infectious personality and a tremendous optimism, which is, in this day and age, Boy, sometimes that's hard to find. The environment out there can be pretty negative. Um, there seems to be a lot of alternative agendas uh, yeah. hanging around. So I can understand why put you in the center of a room and you attract like 
like kinds of... For better or worse. (laughs) I've seen it happen as your team leader. I've seen you create a tremendous rapport among your fellow skaters, and yet you still have that twinkle in your eye, Craig, that is all about having fun, but doing your job, too. Well, thank you. I mean, that, that's really good to hear. Um, I, I, that, what else do we have here on the planet aside from that twinkle in our eye, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and some hard work and some fun? <laughs> you know, and, and that, to be honest, if you speak with Richard Gauthier about his uh, entire coaching thesis, that's it. It's, you know, you've got to work hard, but you have to have fun because we're not here that long. Well, he's, so, got a, <laughs> he's got a twinkle so, in his eye, too. Well, that's it, and, and, it's, and, and I mean, that optimism you talk about, it, it didn't just come out of thin air, right? I mean, that, that twinkle, yeah. when you're sitting and it's 3 in the morning and you've got to figure out how to get a business plan out by 6 a.m. and you're, you don't have it and you're hitting a wall, I mean, you've got to go back to those moments. And I, I picked it up from Richard. I picked it up from that school. People around me there, you know, Julie Marcotte was there. I mean, the energy she brings to the arena every day. Bruno was there. Uh, you know, like, I'm a product of that environment. And that's, that's sort of the, the, the final phase of my career that I walked out of skating with was that. And so the fact that you're saying it to me is, is actually I feel honored. I, I really feel um, that, yes, that that's what I was meant to take from that period of my life and from those people. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. And, and what about uh, next steps? I, I believe you sold your coffee company and yes, then yes. launched into this fabulous, new idea. Tell us about that. <laughs> so the, uh, when I say I wrote down on a napkin, what is my next Olympics? Um, I, I legitimately wrote that down. Uh, and for me, I never really felt that I found it with the coffee company. I knew I was learning how to build a company, which is almost like learning how to speak. Um, but when I was in school, I did an independent study on, um, Sort of, I just did a six-credit study with a professor at the final semester and just wrote sort of what are the big challenges we have in the world today? You know, what are my kids and my grandkids going to have to deal with and what kind of world do we want to leave them with? And so that was one side, and then the other side was sort of this huge, you know, look at where are various states of technology right now. Uh, and the long story short was that there are a whole lot of new technologies coming out around machine learning and AI that are going to have just massive transformative impact on 101 different industries. And I kind of distilled that down to this one idea that sport is kind of this exaggerated version of life. And that if we can build these technologies within this confined space, we're going to be able to expand them out. And so the whole idea was, you know, applying technology to video and to um, measure human motion, to analyze and to help athletes perform better, thinking that, you know, someday these technologies can be used for people, for companies, for everybody to really just help us perform better. Um, And so I guess that's in a broad, very vague (laughs) way what we thought this was. Uh, we got together at that time, so we co-founded the company. It was myself and a PhD from McGill. He had just developed this brand new technology in um, uh, pattern recognition. Uh, I basically took that technology, uh, waved it around to investors across the country, uh, pitched everywhere, was told no a thousand different times, and uh, ended up in a position where we got some investors in. We had the idea, and we had new technology, and we had the people to build it. 
Uh, and what we're doing, really, at its core, is we are measuring every single motion that happens in a game, well, right now, in a game of hockey. Um, so, I mean, we're actually doing hockey, NFL, and Premier League football as well now, but what we're doing, really, at its core, is we're measuring every single hand movement, every single foot movement, every torso, every head movement, sort of building out a 3D version, a virtual version of the game in real time. And so knowing that, you can imagine that as a coach, when you're watching a player move and that player winds up to make a shot, if you can measure that, you can find faults in the technique. You can find ways of improving. You can find the position of all the other players and understand where their skills, their tendencies, their weaknesses, their strengths are as players. And so that's kind of what we're doing. <laughs> in broad strokes. <laughs> um, okay, I'm I'm fascinated with this because I see it not only as a teaching tool, but if I look at it in terms of skating, I see it as a measurement tool. And uh, exactly as it. Yep. further along in um, assessing what makes a good skater or what makes the yes. best jump. Uh, once we figure out the the and and describe and define the things that we think make a good jump, for instance, then we yep. can measure it. Is that correct? That's exactly. So what I'm going to do, I'll I'll describe it in skater terms. De de despite <laughs> the fact that we do not have a figure skating product, we're working with other sports. But this is exactly it because I think you clearly you just pitched it better than I've heard many investors pitch it back to me. <laughs> so yes, uh, imagine going on the ice and training and it logging how many times you tried an axle, uh, just as a binary thing that you tried four. Three of them you stepped out of, one of them you landed, and your shoulder dipped on all the ones that you fell on, right? right. Objectively, there are probably a thousand one other things that a coach or a trainer or um, a choreographer would need to know, but you know, a coach isn't gonna watch a skater 100% of the time, right? So imagine being able to not only compare your speed every single time, you know, like over the course of a summer, you do an axle. Well, you're going to try probably 100 more axles, and each one, will they continue to maintain speed? Will they get faster? Will you start jumping higher? Will you start jumping longer? And being able to just look at that at the end of a summer and go, oh, wait, here, I'm, I'm not going as fast, and I'm dropping this shoulder every time I fall. Well, I need to be going a bit faster. Or actually, let's look at every other 12-year-old axle across the country. Oh, wait a sec. I'm a little bit slower than most of the bar. So I'm going to try to go faster. Oh, wait a sec. Look in this center. Most of the kids in this center are trying twice as many as me. Maybe I should be trying more. You know, so the ability to kind of take all of that information, put it into one place, and become better skaters. Now, that, that was sort of the first pitch three years ago. But then you go one step further and you say, well, imagine what that does for talent identification or for not even talent identification, but finding skaters who are working hard and trying to improve you know, uh, for Skate Canada to be able to have access to that information uh, or for fans being able to tell stories of, of, look, how much this skater has improved over the last year. And so it kind of opens the door to all of the things that you can only imagine. But at the end of the day, what we're building is that initial technology that will enable the measurement of all of that movement. And so that's uh, a concise figure skating pitch. <laughs> well, and it's so critical, regardless of the sport, uh, not only from the development aspect, how, how do we create better skaters and create them more effectively, but from the coaching aspect, if you look at it from the coach's eyes, 
while our coaches in Canada and coaches around the world are so expert that you come, your eye begins to see every mini second, yep. every nanosecond of that element. Yep. But this would support that. Uh, exactly. And if you think about it from the judging aspect, it gives the judges more tools to be able to yep. analyze more effectively the quality of a jump if we're using that. And nowadays with, um, you know, probably the top 10 skaters in the world in each discipline, any one of those skaters could win the world championships on any given day. So the separation of skills and the the, uh, infinite number of possibilities is pretty hard to juggle when you're sitting on that. (laughs) I I agree. I mean, it's, we did, I mean, so at, at, when we first started, we were running tests in figure skating, and uh, this was in 2014, well, uh, before, before the Olympics. Um, and we looked, sorry, just after. Uh, and we looked at um, uh, step sequences. At the time, we were comparing Patrick Chan to Yuzhiro Hanyu, and we were just like, look, here's the distance he covered, and you could actually look at both of the patterns. So look at how much wider this is. Look at the curves of all of these. And it was just objective. You looked at it and said, as a technical mark, if you're basing one of the components on ice coverage, well, this one went 30 more meters, and look at how much deeper these edges were. Um, and so you could actually, there's an artistic component and a creative component, uh, and then there is a technical component. And technical, this, the, by definition, can be measured, right? The height, the speed, yeah. uh, maybe the stability of the shoulders. Um, these, are, these are objective measurements. Uh, now, are we there today? No. Uh, will technology do that over the next 10 years? Absolutely, without question. Uh, and so, do you, this... Maybe, this is kind of a pie-in-the-sky idea, but do you see maybe, instead of us just judging skating, for instance, from two perspectives, technical and artistic, is there an opportunity, perhaps, with a tool like this to carve out a third category um, well, I think we, we, do, we are talking a bit pie in the sky. Um, and, I, you know, four years ago, I might have told you yes, but that's probably because we were just trying to get the idea off the ground. <laughs> but I, I, think, I think there is a tremendous amount of technical measurement that can be taken out of the, the equation. I mean, just something that, is, as, as I said, as simple as speed, height, and speed out of the jump. You know, like that's something that, yeah. so long as you can measure it accurately and consistently, those are things that, I mean, they're objectives, Right. Yeah, but there is a component to the sport, and this, I mean, I and I love it for this. That when that final flight gets out onto the ice, there's a moment before anybody makes a single push where it's just there's a feeling, right? There's something there that I mean, I don't machines can never measure that. I mean, there, there there's an energy that comes with a skater who's had just this incredible season and then steps out under more pressure than they've ever been under in their entire lives before they make their first step. And a lot of that feeling and that energy does end up going into the artistic component of the, of the, of the, the judging, um, yeah. you know, and it's part of the beauty of this sport, um, you know, and, and I think that some of that does end up kind of getting baked into the, into the push into the quad, right? Like into that moment where you kind of hold your breath as, as that three turn happens. Uh, and I think, I think it always should. I just I think there are some pieces that that really people shouldn't be bothered with. <laughs> you know, like, 
feed yeah. out and feed out. I mean, great, just, just throw it into the whole pie, but then have people sort of judge the overall uh, jump itself. Uh, that's, yeah, I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll see. Um, I'm excited for where it might go, but, uh, but yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because how, how in the world, as you've described it, how do you measure that kind of magic that happens when a performance overall is greater than the sum of its parts. Yep, I agree. And that's that's the thing where, you know what, um, I would, and this is maybe a personal thing, I would say don't. That's the magic, and leave that in the sport. Leave that in. I I think that's the reason that I still get goosebumps when I watch the final flight, you know, and I, I... I think that sh- there should always be that kind of subjectivity. I mean, why would you measure the greatest ballet or judge the greatest ballets in the world, right? Uh, yeah. This is, this is, it's kind of, that's the magic of our sport. And I, and I think, um, don't even consider taking that out. I, I would say that that's the kind of thing that you have to judge it because that's how winners and <laughs> losers are defined. But, but I think it should always be there, you know, and it'll always be a bit controversial and they'll always have, you know, subjectivity and discussion and debate. But, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of like it. <laughs> so. I do too, and it's something that's special with our sport. Special in our sport that doesn't happen very many other places. It doesn't. I mean, you can maybe make a case for gymnastics, maybe, but I would say maybe it exists more in the arts than it does in, in sport. But I don't know. I mean, it's part of the reason I love the sport. Yeah, and I think it that that part is the uniqueness of the sport too, where where. A sport, we're athletic, but we're also hugely artistic. So where does that put us? We don't run against a clock. We don't uh, judge our skaters only on height. Or you're yeah. exactly right. It's interesting. Yeah. You, when you were competing, if my memory serves, you were the last pair to win under the old judging system and the first <laughs> to win under the new one. Do I have that right? Yeah, you, you do. And in between, there was that, in, that weird interim system that we went under that as well. <laughs> yeah, well, was, we were uh, all a, a little bit. cool time. In, uh... <laughs> Man. Yeah, I, yeah, so it was, uh, so yes, and I, I, I mean, we skated for another, six years after the new system came out. So throughout the development of the, the whole system as well, you know, I'm almost convinced a lot of what we're doing right now in, in this measurement system that we're building is probably a result of how that shaped me as a skater. <laughs> well, it certainly changed the way we thought about things and yeah, where, where we wanted to focus and yeah. the evolution of the sport was so huge that we needed to find other ways to assess it. Yeah. So it opened up a new world for everybody. Um, what is the name of your company? Uh, Sport Logic. Uh, so L O G I Q. Okay, and uh, website for people that would like to go on it. Sportlogic.com. Uh, okay, that's. Yeah, so we we currently work with 25 NHL teams, so almost the entire league. Uh, we've got a couple of Premier League teams in uh, in the U.S. or sorry, in um, in England, and a couple of NFL teams right now that are just starting in the U.S. It's been a, a it's crazy a, run through hockey, and now we're, we're sort of spreading our wings. Did you do anything for the Golden Knights? Uh, so we sign NDAs with all the teams, so I can't say. <laughs> what I can tell you is that uh, if you're watching a team, there's a good chance we're working with them. Probably an 80% <laughs> chance that they're our, our clients. 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're behind most of the trades that happened in the NHL over the last three years, uh, pretty much all of them this year. Um, but it's, it's really it's a lot of fun. Do you uh, wear hockey skates at all? Uh, you know what? So I haven't been on the ice in about six years. I, uh, I, got, I started coaching a little bit out of, uh, out of sport, and I realized that it wasn't necessarily for me. I, I, I loved the thrill of competition. I loved the work to be the best, and I get that out of my work right now. Uh, but it wasn't, I mean, I, was, I, I got on for a little while just to try to not miss it, just to make sure that I was staying on the ice. And I realized that when I retired, I was ready to retire. I was ready to not go back on the ice. The, what I missed was not the sport and not the training and not the coaching. It was just the people being around. Uh, and so now I'm at a point where those people exist in my office. They exist in my home. They exist in my son, you know. And, and it's, uh, so the short answer is no, I'm, I'm not on the ice at all. Well, I recall, maybe this was just a rumor, but I thought I heard that at some point, maybe a couple of years ago, you auditioned um, for The Amazing Race Canada? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? So that was hilarious. So we, we almost made it, actually. It was uh, myself and John Matisol. Now, they accept 10 people on the show. Uh, we made it into the final 12. Uh, we, we did the full face-to-face interview, the whole thing. Uh, we were Craig and John, the figure skaters. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, Amazing. Hilariously, hilariously enough, uh, I, I took a trip up to northern Yukon uh, in February 2014, and I was out of cell service for like two, three days. Uh, when I landed back in Dawson City on the way back, uh, I had two voicemails. One was from the Amazing Race saying, congratulations, you've been selected for the face-to-face, you're into the final 12th. And the second one was from a group of huge investors that I had been pitching for the company saying, congratulations, we're in, we're investing. And I kind of had this moment where I'm like, oh, do I go on the amazing race or do I start this company? <laughs> so yeah. uh, I think things kind of worked out. It seems <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll try again some year. It seems. Well, listen, I think I have one final question before we wrap this up. Just to kind of come full circle from uh, our initial discussion, which was about that transition following competition. If you had one specific piece of advice that you could give to someone, whether it's skater or athlete from another sport, about how to make that transition successfully, what would it be? So I have, I, I try to steer clear of advice because I don't think there is a single path. I do, what I'll, what I'll say, the things that work for me, um, surrounding yourself with people who are going through the same thing and being honest and being open with them, talking with them about how you're feeling, how you're doing, not shying away from words like depression. I mean, legitimately, like just being open and honest. Um, the first year, two years are going to be really tough. There's just no getting around that. No matter how well you're doing, no matter how successful things are, no matter how much you're, you're seeing, you're like, just explode. Um, just accept that it's going to be a bit tough and make sure you're surrounded. Um, but I hit a point in 2012, 2013, where I got a, the single best piece of advice that I ever got, and that was don't take advice from anyone. Uh, you know, blaze your own path. Um, when you start finding your legs and you start running again, I mean – Approach life the same way that uh, you did your sport. You know, take on the world and, and don't look back. That's great advice. And I hope anyone who's listening, who's thinking about what the transition must be like, um, call while me. you've Seriously. suggested 
don't take <laughs> you're struggling that i mean but listen to how people are doing but ultimately you know you you know your life better than than anybody else you know your goals better than anyone else you accept that you're going to feel lost accept that you're going to need support you're going to need help um but and and legitimately if there's an athlete out there listening and transitioning give me a call no, seriously um happy to chat um so and they yeah. do through skate canada i would suggest yeah yeah, I'm not going to get my cell on this uh, no. podcast, but uh, uh, give, give Skate Canada a call. Uh, any, I'm sure anybody could put us in touch. I'd love to, love to chat and help in any way I can. Well, Craig, thanks so much. You have such a wealth of experience at every level, uh, not just competitive skating, coming from a small town, uh, your family background. Now you're, you're moving into... Uh, a high business environment, and we are so proud of you and wish you all the best. And thanks so much for spending some time with us this morning. Well, thank you. And like I said, it, it's so nice to hear from you. It's so nice to just, you know, you were the voice of, uh, of skating as I was watching TV growing up. So it's always just uh, speaking with you and, and hearing from you is just awesome. So thank you so much thanks for taking so the time much. as well. Uh, everybody listening, we've been speaking with Craig Bunton, three-time Canadian pair in 2006 Olympian about his life during skating and after. Thanks, Craig. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Craig Bunton for spending time with us today. I'm Debbie Wilkes, and on behalf of the Alumni Committee, we invite you to join us regularly at the Alumni blog on alumni.skatecanada.ca. See you soon.